When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Busy times across the tennis world right now. Obviously, the story on everyone's mind. Novak Djokovic not allowed entry into Australia. It seems like he will not be playing the Australian Open. Of course, still, he is going through the appeals process right now through a Victorian court. We don't know what the exact outcome of that will be at this time. Of course, that is something we are monitoring constantly over on the Mini Break podcast. Of course, we've also got the action in Australia beginning. Getting ATP, WTA action, returning to our television screens. Again, we're breaking all of that down on our other podcast. But perhaps most importantly to all of you college tennis fans listening today, we are inching closer and closer to the start of the 2022 college tennis season. I know for a fact the team we are talking about on today's show is competing this very weekend in a hidden duel event down in Miami themselves, Miami, Georgia, one other, all in the mix. College tennis action has begun, folks, and very, very soon we'll be done previewing these teams, talking about their results instead. But before we get there, we got to finish up our College Contender Series, breaking down our top 10 teams entering the 2022 men's college tennis season. And joining me on today's podcast to do that, as they always do, are the two other members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. Of course, we'll start where we always start. You know him best as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer for our website, CrackRackets.com. The lesser better, depends on the day half, of Nick Stokowiak. Of course, it's our friend Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot. Happy New Year to you. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. I am, uh, I'll tell you what, Gruskin, I'm itching for this tennis to start, man. I mean, mm. you know, when we start this series, right, we always start at what, November, you know, end of October, November, and it's like, okay, the season's still a little ways away. We're not going to get those dual matches, but now, man, it's, I mean, we're, we're January here. We're ready to rock and roll. I'm ready to start watching some college tennis, man. I'm fired up. And we've got some very fun announcements coming all of your listeners' way about how we plan to cover this 2022 college tennis season. Again, not quite ready to announce formally, but some very fun stuff in the works. Of course, less fun is the third member of our college tennis holy trinity performing his Michael Jordan flu game today as he is a bit under the weather, nevertheless willing to join us. You know him, of course, as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. Almond Joys, Mothers, Henry Ford, Shoulder, UTR bad, takes sometimes good. It's Chris Helioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Appreciate you playing sick. Happy New Year. How are you doing today? Ah, I mean, I wish I could say I was doing better, but I mean, just joining, well, joining Maddie always makes it better. I, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know about the rest of the cast, but yeah, I'm super, super happy to be here and, uh, and talk some college tennis and men. 
now that it's finally January, this is our first January podcast of the year, it seems like we're so, so close to seeing real team action get going uh in you know for the for the spring season so i'm ready to ready to get things rolling yeah and to your point we have turned the calendar on a new year i did not get you guys holiday gifts yet although holiday cards from the gruskin family coming your way that said i do have one gift for you on today's podcast and before i present that gift it's always worth mentioning before we get into our breakdowns and today we're previewing number four texas a fascinating team certainly as we enter this season we like to start with an opening tangent and as chris mentioned turning of the calendar means more information becomes available to us the thing we want to talk about today is the college tennis coaches poll released for the division one men and women and i figured if we're going to do that we should add a fourth member to the show to break down this action of course listeners know him best as a contributor here to our crack rackets podcast founder of the no ad no problem blog writer for our website crackrackets.com part of our dynamic duo previewing our women's preseason top 10 it's john j parsons jay hey great shot welcome to the show pleasure to have you my friend thanks for having me thanks for letting me crash uh the holy trinity uh excited to be here and I will let you know, I did not tell them beforehand this was going to happen. I said I had a surprise. <laughs> I They may have inferred by the time we got closer what that surprise was going to be. But, Maddie, Chris, did I deliver a holiday gift worth giving? Of course, Absolutely. man. Always ready to talk some college tennis with Jay. No, this is as good as it gets. Again, I'm the one here who's really celebrating all four of us together to talk about a subject near and dear to our hearts. It's the coaches poll. They're out and about. And for the record, none of us have talked about this directly. Chris, Matt, and I, we haven't had a discussion yet on it. Jay and I have not yet discussed it either, I assume. Well, I actually do assume there's a group chat of the three of you where you guys just talk about me constantly because that's what I would do to all of you. Uh, But in the instance that's not the case, I'm going to assume none of you have talked about it either Chris suggested this beforehand. Every so often, he does make a worthwhile contribution. Just our initial three reactions to the coaches' poll before we even break (laughs) it all down. I'll start where I always start. Maddie, your initial reactions as you looked at this. Well, as you guys can imagine, I had quite a few reactions. The first thing I noticed, though, obviously I'm going down the line here. The top seven teams in the coaches' poll all made our top ten list of college contenders so that was good to see from that you know perspective i think the coaches agree with us here's the one though that i I think chris was waiting for from me georgia right the team that i thought should be up in the top 10 that i thought was going to be in there hey look the coaches seem to agree what can i say I figured that was going to happen. I still think we're underselling this team just a little bit, guys. Um, and again, we know how it how it kind of broke down with Kentucky being in there for us. But my third one here quickly, um, how about Arizona and Stanford being way too low, right? I mean, what, what the hell? What's up with that? Two teams that we have in our top 10, they have that what? Uh, I got it right here. 16 and something. At, yeah. six, at 15 and 16, I mean, really? Really? What are we missing with Arizona and Stanford? Like, where's the disconnect between what we were thinking and what the coaches are thinking there? I know Stanford didn't play a whole season last year, but come on, look at the roster. I mean, that could be arguably a top five roster in the country. So those are some of the big things that popped out to me, guys, um, among other things. But go ahead. 
No, that's what's going to make this so fascinating and why I enjoyed this idea because I do think all of us are going to have pretty different takeaways. I'll go to you next, Chris. Your three takeaways. Yeah, I mean, when I looked, so my very first reaction when I saw it was, what the hell is Stanford doing at 16? The coaches must hate Goldstein. That's, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. This is a popularity contest, okay? Yes, they're valuing the tennis as well, but this is not their job. The coaches don't really care where they rank each other. It doesn't mean a damn thing. So they're not going to put a ton of time into it either. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, probably carrying forward from just last year, just going, yeah, whatever, keep them, you know, down there. Don't put a lot of thought in it. That was my first reaction. My second reaction was, how the hell did Macy coerce everybody to putting him in the top 10? How is that not reaction number one from everyone? Like, yeah, are we I kidding? Mean, that was number two. Well, actually, my first reaction wasn't how did the coach, how did he coerce everybody into doing it? My first reaction was, man, he's just sitting back laughing at us right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I'm, I, I'm actually shocked we didn't have a DM from him already. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely that that was my number two. And, and I'll be honest, there, there were a lot of things I could look at for number three, but my number three take really was just looking at what the, wondering what the coaches were thinking when they put Wake at number 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, you know, I, it's, it, it's interesting to me. I feel like if they were counting on Squire, they'd put them even higher. So I, I don't, I kind of feel like that was just a, yeah, I don't know what to expect. So we'll, we'll throw them up there at like number 10. I mean, you say you're playing sick on today's podcast. You're coming in spicy, Chris. Those are all takes. I, my list is not too dissimilar. Jay, floor is yours again. We're starting with the men here. Just you, when you look at this top 25 poll, you look at the others receiving votes. What are your three takeaways? First takeaway to Matt and Chris, I think coaches have the benefit of adjusting for some of these late additions, right? You think about Georgia. They're factoring in Ethan Quinn coming in. We didn't have that luxury. Um, with USC, they're factoring in Colby coming in. We didn't have that luxury. Um, so I think that's some of the Delta. My first takeaway was, oh, we're pretty much just going straight down the list here from 2021 final season rankings, right? The top five are identical. No changes there. Um, the two, it was essentially two big movers in the downward direction, which was UNC and Texas A&M, which make sense and tracks and that basically kind of moved everyone else up so that was my my first reaction was okay we're kind of going straight from 2021 second was okay they're moving unc and texas a&m down i agree with that um and then the third is that they made a big affordance for michigan right i mean michigan uh of all the schools they moved up the most they moved up 32 spots they finished the year at 49 they come in at 17 um, so that was some of the accommodations that we you know we were chatting about towards the end of last season with the Big Ten uh, being COVID limited, and they certainly adjusted for that in these new rankings. Do you remember when we used to do our homework like that, guys? When we used to be that dedicated to our craft? Jay coming in, just putting us all to shame, dropping the numbers. This is why we had to have him here. You guys have hit a lot of you know the takeaways. Two more I would add just quickly before we get back into it. You know UCF at number eleven. It's a little high. Just again, talking about North, Car- you know, South Carolina, Arizona, Stanford teams we've previewed or talked about in this preview, you know, South Carolina just outside. But what they're bringing back versus what UCF is bringing back, that's to Jay's point of these rankings look pretty similar to the end of last season. The other takeaway, this is rude. I apologize. 
UCLA over Columbia at 25, UCLA over some of these other teams receiving votes. Like, I think we're sleeping on Columbia. You know, Harvard over Columbia. Was Harvard's fall that much definitively better than Columbia when you look at all of the talent Columbia has that they get left out of the top 25? I don't love that decision. Mississippi State's young, very, very young. Them at number 20, Chris. It's a bold claim. And again, when you're looking at it, I think Pepperdine does deserve to be number 22 and maybe even higher after the fall they had. And, you know, again, between – I would have them as the highest-ranked non-Power 5. I would have them over UCF. I just think, again, that's – I would flip those in symbolism. I suppose maybe not either of them that high. Um, but those would be my other takeaways. Again, we're going to go around the horn here, Maddie. Your takeaways from the takeaways. Well, all right, two more things, guys. Jay, you're right about Michigan, and I think Michigan should probably be even higher than where they are. Oh, I missed you. Happy New Year. Look, look, guys, you know I'm always real on here. Like, I do think Michigan has a really, really good team. Top 15 for sure, but I think pushing, like, top 12, you know, type in the country. So um, I know they moved up a lot, like Jay mentioned. I think that was a good point, and I think it was well-deserved. I think Michigan has a high quality team. Wake is the other one. Chris brought up Wake, right? I think, guys, we may have underestimated Wake a little bit. Looking back on it now, they're so deep. They're so deep. Now, I know only six guys can play. Here's the argument, right? Only six guys can play. So what benefit does it have where you've got 13, 14, 15, 16 guys that can play because only six of them are going to be in the lineup? So I understand that, but I am I'm fascinated to see what happens with Wake early here in the season. Yeah, Chris? Uh, my first thought is I'm not – how many fit on the jet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no they're they're definitely deep and we've said that but we my problem we say is we that every say year that. we say it every year and and it, you know and barring having you know petros and borna and bar and, and you know and right. it's just it it's not working so i you know I, I don't know maybe maybe he does figure out how to get it going this year with you know and with the freshmen that he had last year that are going to have to step up i don't know Gruskin, I was with you. I actually, I don't know. It's hard for me to say if they're too terribly overrated, but I look at certainly, and I'm the SEC guy, right? And there, but there's definitely an SEC bias. I look at the, you know, not only did you you mention Mississippi State, but Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, yeah, all three of those schools, I could make an argument for maybe not shouldn't even be in there. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they definitely have some challenges in in front of them, uh, and they may they may prove that they belong there. And they've got some, and they've got newcomers that we've yet to see. You know, Mississippi State's got a freshman, a January commit that's just coming in. A uh, and M's got freshmen. I mean, that's going to be tough. But yeah, I thought I thought we that was just a little, you know, a little or a lot of uh, of last year's just leftover bias towards the SEC that we still see in the in the coaches poll the first time first one out this year Pepperdine had a better fall than all of those teams and yes Michigan jumped them Stanford jumped them and you know uh Kentucky jumped them but I I that group I still would put Pepperdine above them and I I agree with you I think all three of those teams that is the residual effect from the end of last year's rankings Jay final thoughts on the men's side go to you any any cleanup here you can do 
No, I just think as we're doing this, I think probably the best way to look at it is who who moved the most from their 2021 ranking. That tells you the most of what these coaches think about these teams. We haven't mentioned Ohio State, right? Coming in at six, they moved up 15 spots. They, they're seeing what we're seeing is that that's going to be a really good Ohio State team this year. We already mentioned Michigan. Uh, and then the teams that they've moved down, right? They're clearly not high on North Carolina, not high on A&M, and also not high on Illinois, Um so those are the really the ones that stand out. I would also add Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky moved from finishing 18, which probably felt like a little bit of disappointment for them, all the way up to 12, I believe. Um, so they're up in that top 10 range uh, of where we think they'll be. I like our rankings better. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I think, and again, it's worth noting, Florida, number one. We never did this. Florida, one. Baylor, two. Texas, three. Tennessee 4, TCU 5, as you mentioned, Ohio State moves up to 6. That's the first new addition to the rankings. Virginia 7, Georgia 8, USC 9. That's your gift, Brett Macy. Uh, Wake Forest 10. That might have just been a troll, just a shot at us that he throws in there. Um, No, and first of all, it's not as though we've talked about USC before. We've talked about Wake Forest. These were teams very much in consideration for our final spots in the top 10. Coaches see it a little bit differently than us. I want to talk about the women's quickly with UJ, and obviously, Matt and Chris, you can comment as well. They were more similar to our rankings than I expected. Most importantly, you you know, the Georgia, UCLA, Duke, Virginia, four through seven, we had it all rated a little bit differently but they had that same grouping obviously you know it goes texas one pepperdine two north carolina three georgia four ucla five duke six virginia seven they had the benefit of seeing nc state eight you know the additions they made cal cal nine we had the buckeyes 10 they have the buckeyes 10 we're a little higher on texas a&m and obviously stanford at 17 you know usc 18 your takeaways yeah, I mean, Stanford, again, on the women's side, way too low, like they are on the men's way side. Way too low. I, I mean, it, it, way, too, way too low. I think it's just the committee, you know, they haven't seen a lot of Stanford, so, you know, they'll probably wait to see. Um, you know, the, the big mover down was Florida State, which was not a surprise given the churn that they've had in their roster. Um, you know, a few other ones moved down, but otherwise it was pretty comparable, right? As you mentioned, they had the benefit of at seeing the nc state movement um not a lot of change only two teams uh finished outside the top 25 in 2021 who aren't on this list that was northwestern and kentucky they got the boot uh and then the new teams that came in uh to sub in for them were south southern california and princeton both of which make a lot of sense i do think princeton's going to be much higher than 23 given their fall season so they're a little low right now but without a season makes sense to put them there um and then the other notable takeaway for me was just texas a&m feeling a little low we had them in our top 10 um we've now confirmed branstein is coming back so 14 feels lower particularly being behind schools like ucf and baylor yeah two other things i would add or just one i would re-emphasize princeton a little low at 23 for sure unproven but they are very very talented and daria Freeman is as good as anyone in the country I just did an interview with the best named coaching duo in all of college tennis, Boomer Saya and uh, and Kenna Kilgo. And like, come on, Kilgo, what are we talking about? That's as good as it. Kilgo and Boomer, like that should be the name of our Tuesday show here at Crack Rackets. I, you know, Tuesdays with Kilgo and Boomer. Like, let's do that moving forward. 
Iowa State's good, and they receive votes. They're just outside the top 25 here. They were super young last year, brought pretty much everyone back this season, a couple of additions as well. I'm not saying they're a top 10 team. I'm saying to see them replicate their success from last year, maybe make a round of 32 in the cards. Matty, I'll go to you first. Any other takes you'd like to add? No, I agree with everything you guys just said, particularly Jay. Everything that he said, I echo that. That's it for me. I like that. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I was – I'm – it's basically Jay's comments, but A&M, certainly with Branstein in there, seems really, really low. And I think it's just more humorous where they put Stanford. Am I surprised <laughs> that coaches do it? Absolutely not. I mean, again, this is a popularity contest. Uh, so I'm not shocked that it that they rank them there. Do they deserve to be that low? Of course not. But but yeah, that, that was definitely surprising. Baylor, a little high as well at 11. That feels a little generous. And again, I'm jealous that they get to be in on NC State and Cal in ways that we weren't, Jay, because that was certainly the benefit of hindsight. Final word goes to you. Any final thoughts on these rankings? Yeah, I mean, one other school to note is South Carolina, right? Obviously bringing in, in Hamner, bringing in um, Ayana Ockley. I know they got votes, but I think you could have put them in the top 25, certainly over some of these schools that are sitting there towards the end of the rankings. Um, but overall, feels pretty accurate. Um, so no, no qualms from me. I love it. Well, then before we let you go, we're talking about number four Texas today. Obviously, you gave your take at the end of our number four women's pod, who happens to be UCLA. You can find that here on the Great Shot podcast link. You can go read more from Jay about them on our website, crackrackets.com. Check out all of his pieces on the No Ad, No Problem blog as well. Give us your take on Texas before we let you go. Horrible fall. Uh, (laughs) Really disappointing fall season. Uh, A ton of talent. I think my hot take is probably that Bailey is going to be higher in the lineup than we might expect. Um, particularly given some of the the fall seasons from some of the other guys that's that's all we interesting i give me predictions as well for their season yeah conference and then of course ncaa um are they one of my 12 quarterfinal teams i i mean i I have them in the quarterfinals definitely a quarterfinal team i I don't they might get third in the big 12 um So I, you know, I liked I like TCU. Um, so I'll go I'll go third in the Big Twelve um, and uh, quarterfinals in NCAA's. The spice is there at J tweets tennis, John Parsons, Jay top three end of the year. Oh, I like that spice. Woo-hoo-hoo. I appreciate having you as always. Be safe, be healthy, and again, Thanks, the the problem with today it's it's me. It's we're keep, we're getting you on your stand for the full f- number one pot. I almost gave away who our number one is because I'm curious. This is where we end. I just think they're somehow, despite being who they are, might be the most fascinating team. So we're keeping you for the full number one. But again, always appreciate you taking the time. We will talk more soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. DJ. So with that said, let's get into our College Contenders episode. I should say, by the way, thank you as always to John Parsons at JTweetsTennis. Again, the reason it's difficult, whenever you have four people wide on a podcast, I just don't want to keep Maddie and Chris here till 10.30 p.m. And I promised them, you know, I already had to push back an hour. You guys don't care about that point being. Always appreciate Jay taking the time. I feel bad for booting. You can hear the guilt, right? You see the guilt on my face, Maddie and Chris. I just feel horrible because obviously— You guys, I hope all enjoyed those first 20 minutes. I thought they were delightful. With all that said, let's get into Texas. 
And Maddie, I'll start with you. 10 and 1 in 4 3 matches last year. Let me say that again in case you didn't hear me. 10 and 1 were the Texas Longhorns last year in a 24 and 6 campaign that saw them make the NCAA semifinals, beat South Carolina 4 3, beat USC 4 3 before getting knocked out by Florida, who, by the way, they beat for the second consecutive year in the first weekend of the season to make the national indoors. They were the best one and two team I've ever seen in national indoors history. Even, you know, losing uh, to Tennessee the way they did in that last match, they just competed so well. And again, I talked to Bruce Burke today, the day we're recording this podcast. You can go hear that conversation on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed right now. The question is, Maddie, how sustainable is it all? Because 10-1 in and 4-3 matches is historic. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Everything that could break Texas's way last year seemingly did. Where are you on their 2021 season and how replicable it is this year? Oh, it's replicable. I don't know if they're going to play as many 4-3 matches as they did, but they may not have to. Look, Ruskin, this team to me has improved. They are a better team than they were last year. They didn't really lose anybody in their lineup, right, of notes that was of importance. They're bringing all of those guys back. They're a year more experienced, and they're bringing in a couple of newcomers freshmen you know we talked about Bailey and obviously Siamara coming in I mean I just think this team is better so no I don't expect there to they're not going to go 10 and 1 in four three matches again because they may not play that many four three matches last year guys you remember when we talked about Texas we said it's a year too early right they're too young they're very talented we like this team we like where they're going but it's a year too early and look what they do. They go all the way to the final four and run into Florida who beat everybody and wins the national championship. So, you know, that's nothing to to worry about. And, and they had such a good season. So for me, my expectations for Texas this year are even more. I mean, I think they can, I think they can reach it. They have a better team. Yeah. Chris, you're our mathematician. The way a mathematics, uh, mathematics, a way a mathematician would frame it. Did this team overperform in 2021? You look at the numbers for this team. Again, from a you know statistic standpoint, they didn't really have that you know 90% sure thing flight. Now they were you know 20 and five at the number four single spot, and most of the time it was Cleve Harper who was 17 and four at that spot. They felt pretty good there. That's one. And yes, Micah Broswell, 20 and five. Freshmen aren't supposed to do that. He was as good as any of them across the country last season, but. You know, felt like Waldy was constantly banged up. He's 10 and 10 on the year. Spaziri was 17 and 9, which I think undersells just how good he was last season. You know, McDonald's number 13 and 11 doesn't sound great. He was clutch when needed. Chi Chi Huang got a lot better, better throughout the course of the year as well. But it was the least pretty 24 and 6 in college tennis history. And so the broader point I'm trying to make again did this team overperform last year? I don't think they overperformed. I mean, if I, if, if anything, I say they underperformed. I mean, they had the talent. They, they had the talent. They just played like, and I'm with Maddie. I think they can replicate the results, but I don't think it'll look anything like last year because they just shouldn't be playing four, three matches. And I think that yep. was the deal is they were playing four, three matches with teams. They had no business letting get three points against them. Uh, I mean, they, they should have been, winning better than they did so i don't you know i i think they should have been a better team 
than, than they were. And now, you know, and then you, so you turn that to this year. No, I don't think they play those four, three matches. They get, they get better, obviously, uh, with some additions this year. Uh, definitely. I don't expect to see that again. Yeah. And I think you framed it perfectly there. And that's why to Jay's point, this fall was a little bit though, frightening. Uh-huh. And yes, no Spaziri who was injured and he won a futures event this summer and he played so well, you know, he beats Rodriguez in the round of 16 and, you know, splits with Kukerman, but that split so essential to his team's comeback in that four, three victory. And then, you know, was playing volley even in that NCAA semifinal. Clearly, he seems prepared, if healthy, to, to jump into that you know top spot and be an anchor at the top of the lineup against 90% of teams. Braswell's season feels very replicable, feels like there's another step forward for him. We know how good Waldeep can be with healthy. Cleve Harper has proven himself. But as you look at this year's team and the new additions they bring in, Richard Ciamara, who's been top five in the country before and you know comes in from Notre Dame, is not even going to be expected to play in the top three in the lineup. Could... But the luxury of having him as a bottom three singles player right away, that makes up for the fact when you look last year, they were 15 and 11 at five, 14 and 11 at six. You feel better with the CMR there. You bring in, as mentioned, uh, a new freshman in Pierre Bailey who wins a futures event this fall. And again, to have him in the mix while still returning McDonald, still returning Chi Chi Huang. You've got eight guys, Maddie, And to your point, this roster got better, which is what makes their fall. And without Spaziri, no Bailey, but 32 and 29 in singles, 13 and 16 in doubles. It was confusing. Yeah, but you know what, guys? The fall is always a little bit confusing, sure. isn't it? When is the fall ever like super straightforward and it all makes sense? And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to buy too much into that. I know they had a poor fall. I, I'm not going to that doesn't really deter me from having high expectations for this team at all. I mean, I know what they did last year. Obviously I'm following the big 12 very closely. So I saw all the matches that these guys played and they were really, really impressive to me. I mean, they, they, they just were as young as they were talented, um, but they were very impressive. So I'm not worried about the fall, man. Well, I I talked to coach Burke and, to be candid, he wasn't worried, but he was on his guys. He was very candid about the fact that he was not impressed with their fall, that he thought they didn't have the focus that they had in particular last spring. And to your point, it's not the dual match season, which is what everyone gets up for. You don't have yep. Bailey. You don't have Spaziri. You're competing on your own. And if we learned anything about this Texas team, it's how it thrives in the dual match. But again, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, and we'll get to the why Texas can be really good in a second as we talk about their lineup. But Chris, again, in the in terms of underperformance or overperformance last year, this is the case. Is that yeah, as a patchwork group, last year they were able to find four wins all the freaking time. But they were also able to find three losses all the freaking time in a bunch of different ways. And how every freaking week to a T, the three of us talk about the depth, the talent, all of these teams at the top got it. This team was Cinderella a bit last year. And yeah, it helps to win four, three matches, builds your toughness, calluses you for when those matches occur in the future. But like, I'm not saying hit the panic button. We can also agree it was objectively not a good fall for the Longhorns. It was a terrible fall. Right, minus but, the Spaziri Bailey <clears throat> futures titles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, from a college perspective, it was sure. a terrible fall, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree in the least. But you know, 
with with some of these teams that have been up there uh, and they're highly ranked, these a lot of these kids they look more forward to playing in their futures tournaments than they do in you know the the whatever invitational they have in Texas and the you know and playing some of these guys. It's not a. I mean, you can watch the matches and see that that while nobody ever wants to lose nobody's actually into it like they are when it's dual match season. So I, and so like you said, I'm, or like Maddie said, I'm not going to put a lot of stock in it because a, yeah, they were missing a couple guys. You didn't get to see Bailey. You didn't get to see Spaziri. Uh, honestly, the, my, my biggest concern in the entire lineup is CM Waldy. I don't even know where you play the guy. If I'm Bruce Burke, I play him at like four or five. I don't yep. even want to see him in the top three. He doesn't deserve to be there. He hasn't beaten anybody to put him up there. You can easily play Bailey at three, Bailey and CMR at three for hell. Let Spaziri and Braswell have the top two spots. Let Bailey and and, and CMR have three, four, play Waldeep five, and then you can have a battle between Chi-Chi and Cleve Harper for six. I mean, that's a great lineup. I just don't want to see Wald. Waldeep's a slap, and until he gets a game back, and he stays healthy because he ends up with the elbow troubles. I want to see him down in the lower in the lineup. So let me give you the flip side of that argument. And we're talking about the lineups now. And this is where we get spicy with all of these teams at the top. Because again, these sorts of decisions in the end will ultimately make the difference between who comes home with that trophy in May. The case against that, isn't Waldeeb as likely to win as at two singles as he is to lose at four? And so if you're Coach Burke, why not just play him at two and know, hold on, now we get Braswell at three, Bailey at four, Siamara at five, Harper or Chi-Chi at six. We it's should gonna sweep gonna get protested. Those. Yeah, well, no, but I, I think you can make that argument with most people, Gruskin. Yeah, I think he is, if on a good day, he's, he's likely to be able to win it too. The problem is the kid has so much talent that on a bad day, I don't, he's still not going to lose at five. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you play him at five, you're not saying, oh, he's going to, he's just as likely to win at one or the other, because there are a lot of guys that when they go that de- when they go south, they go really south. He is so athletic and he can make up for not having his game so well that I think if you play him lower in the lineup, he, he still wins there, even when he doesn't have his best stuff. Maddie, I completely, Chris, that's a that's a phenomenal take because I was thinking similarly. Like I really want that's that's a great take there, and I agree with it. I just do. I've watched CM Waldeep. I mean, the guy is he's fun to watch, man. I mean, like Chris said, the athleticism and everything, but there is no consistency. There is no consistency there, and I just think, like Chris said, his talent lower in the lineup. His talent's just superior, so he's gonna win his matches. Um, I think that's the way that this team needs to approach the lineup. I really do. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
Yeah, it's I, it's a, again, if you're going to make that argument, that's a good one to make. And then, by the way, he gains confidence. There's no reason you can't move him up later in the season. And I think when we look at this lineup more than anything, you can expect experimentation. Now, Chris, I don't know if you have the UTRs up in front of you. If you don't, I'll give you a moment to put them up now. But I'll go to you first, Maddie. Yeah, it does feel like Elliot. You look at his record last season, and you know again statistically, eleven and seven at the number one spot doesn't sound great. But we were at that NCAA tournament. He beats Rodriguez, who makes the NCAA final. We were at the match. The comeback with Cookerman mattered. The, you know him staying alive against Valle mattered for his team. He's ready to be in that slot. I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt there. After that, I have a ton of question marks. Where are you with this roster? No, I don't have the question marks. I'll tell you how I think it's going to go. Obviously, Elliot, like you said, has earned that number one spot. I, I think that's pretty clear cut. I mean, he, and emotionally, he's, he's the leader as well. It feels like of that roster. Exactly. I mean, it just makes too much sense. There, that's got to be what we see here. And then for me, no, I'm keeping Micah Braswell. I mean, this guy is a rising. I mean, he his arrow is pointing directly up. I mean, he look what he did last year, playing primarily at the number two singles position. I I would put him there. I would leave him there. I still think he's going to get better and better. And, you know, from what we saw last year, I I think he can replicate those numbers, if not improve upon them. I'm I'm that high on Micah Braswell. Um, And then after that, I do think at the beginning of the season, Chris, you mentioned Waldy that five, but I think coach Burke may have CMO. I don't know what he's going to do with Bailey, right? As a freshman, I do think we could see like Siamara at number three and Waldeeb at four, as opposed to five, potentially just in the beginning of the season. And then what you said, moving Bailey up later on, I think that could easily happen. I'm good with that. But for now, I'm kind of seeing like a Siamara and a Waldeeb at three and four. And then for me, it's Bailey and Cleve Harper. I don't think that's much of a competition at number six. I do think Cleve Harper has earned that position over Chi-Chi. And Chi-Chi's a great player. But Cleve, look what he did last year. I mean, he took a major step forward, and he was playing higher in the lineup. If you can bump him from like four to six, I think he'll be – almost a lock there at almost every match at number six. So for me, I don't see a competition at six. I think that's Cleve Harper's job. Yeah, again, the crazy thing, even with the continuity and all six singles players, again, back from last season, is you feel better about the bottom half of their lineup this season than you do the top half, and they bring back their top half. And just, you know, to put that bow on the Braswell conversation, his losses last season. Famba, Andrade, Aguilar, Gray, Soto twice, DeCamps. Only losing to studs. You know, players he beat throughout the course of last season. Yeah, he beats Riley Smith, beats Connor Thompson, beats Dostanik, and, you know, uh, know, plays Svenla three sets each time just to do these things as a freshman. Beats Charlie Broom as well and just, you know, beats Parker Wynn of Texas Tech. Good win after good win after good win. And, yeah, now he's a sophomore. Now he knows his way around a college tennis environment. Eight and four this fall as good as anyone you're going to find on the roster. does feel like he's ready to take a jump forward. But, you know, again, CMR is a question because he wasn't great last year for Notre Dame. And certainly you got to imagine there's a rejuvenated feeling for him just being, you know, new environment that's going to happen to anyone. This is not a dig at Notre Dame. Um, But, like, Chi-Chi's pretty good, and he feels like the first man out in this lineup. McDonald, that second man down. And certainly – given some injuries this team will have to have a solid seven and eight 
that's very good for them throughout the course of the season. But Chris, is it, I mean, does Maddie have the six right? Is it some order, Spaziri, Braswell, Waldy, Bailey, uh, Harper, and Ciamara? Is that your six? Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the six, I think, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I with the ETRs, think, by the way. Okay, and I, I will. And I think Maddie's right, by the way, especially leading into indoors. The, the Waldeeb slap forehand is tremendous yeah. indoors. I mean, so, and I, so I think, and, and I, and I do think you also make the freshman that's never played college prove himself to move up. So I, I do think we see, I mean, Spaziri has to be a lock at one. You got to play Braswell at two. I think you leave Waldeeb at three to start. And then I think it's up to Burke and what he sees between Bailey and Ciamara in terms of which guy he probably wants to play there. Uh, and I don't think Bailey drops. I don't think he goes down to six. I think he's either four or five. If he's not seeing great stuff out of CMR, given wasn't a great fall, wasn't a great last year, maybe Harper could be five and CMR six, but I doubt it. I, I kind of think we see, I think we see Harper six and we see in some order, uh, Bailey and, and, and CMR at four or five UTR wise, uh, Spaziri far and away, 1432 is the top. Bailey is two at 1366. Uh, a little drop to Braswell at three, 1343. Ciamara still a 1336, uh, which I'm, I'm a little surprised at that, uh, having not a great last year, not a lot of action since then. Uh, Waldeeb, 1321. Harper, 1310. That would be the six. And then your first man out, Chi Chi, at 13 flat. Uh, and then it's uh, down to Aramilli at, you know, and Evan McDonald after that. So, yeah. well, just to add to that, if Bailey's playing two singles for this Texas team come May, they can win the NCAA title. That means he has clicked because to yeah. some extent, we know what we're going to get at a minimum from Harper, from CMR. And if they are now playing behind this freshman, that that is a testament to his talent. And I think that is a best case scenario. That said, it is interesting, match calculus-wise, how this team match up. It feels like they can find four singles wins a lot of ways, but we've talked about it. With the margins being so thin, doubles is going to be critical, and we don't know doubles pairings for this uh, team yet, and you look for them last season. They didn't exactly thrive in doubles. Now, they found points, it felt like, when they needed them. You know, they earned the doubles point against USC. They earned the doubles point uh, in some of their 4-3 wins uh, throughout the course of the season. But again, like, I just, with how good all of these teams are at the top, going down 1 0 is an issue. And you look at the pairings they had last year, you know, I believe Spaziri and Waldeeb overall, I want to say uh, 14 and 10 on the year. That was their most frequent one doubles pairing. Uh, Harper and Huang, 6 and 7 by the end of the year. And then 7 and 2 were Braswell and Holden at that number three spot. And again, you feel like with that depth, they should take three doubles in a lot more matches than they did. How do you feel about this team's doubles point relative to our, you know, the top eight we've talked about? I don't, I don't love it. I mean, for sure. That's, that's the, that's the knock here. I mean, I don't, I don't know what Bailey's going to bring in doubles. CMR is not a double stud, right? Uh, So it's not, it's, and they're not bringing back a lot of great stuff from last year. I think that's definitely the concern is that, that the singles lineup is super deep and looks really good. But when you stack it up against all these other teams, if you tell me that, which it would look like on paper in most cases, that you're they're going to go down 1-0, it, it's not a great look for them to have to win 
four singles matches every time. They're going to have to find some doubles pairings and get better this year in doubles. Uh, and I think to your point, that's we haven't seen it. So that's that's the biggest concern in, in the whole lineup is really what what are they going to get out of doubles? Maddie? Well, I'll tell you guys what I have seen. Spaziri and Waldeep can play as the number one pairing with anybody in the country. I watched them a lot last year. They may not have won all of those matches, but they were right there. This team is a very good doubles team. And I I don't have any issues with them playing that number one position. The question is, what do you put behind them? And I would imagine Chris Bailey and Ciamara, they're, they're an improvement over a couple of those guys that were in there last year. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. I know Ciamara is not like a dub stud or anything like you said, but he can play some dubs. I've watched him. You know, he can definitely play some quality doubles. You've got Micah Braswell in there. Um, and then again, if you can get some solid play out of Bailey in doubles, then then that almost solves everything. And I, I think there's a chance, guys, that, you know, I know it may look a little concerning right now. Once we get a couple months into the season, we may revisit this and be like, oh, you know, Texas's doubles wasn't as bad as we thought. Well, I think that's the low-hanging fruit. It's just like they could get better at doubles. And if they get better at doubles, they're going to find three singles wins. And so that's where you look at potentially even more upside for this team. It felt like last year they were not particularly strong in doubles despite having players that were talented at doubles. No, I mean, this gets into the glass-half-full approach. Like, let's be clear. This team is excellent. And you know what they have a notch up on on just about everyone? The way Bruce Burke scheduled this team here in 2021. This team is going to be battle-tested. They've got Florida at home January 16th, kicking off their season essentially. Of course, they're playing a hidden duel this weekend, but then they're making an Arizona swing at Arizona, at Arizona State, non-conference match with Baylor. They've got UCF at home. And then listen to these matches before uh, and post-national indoors, but before the uh, conference play starts. At Georgia, at Texas A&M, home for Ohio State, at number nine USC, that's for you, Brett Macy, and at Pepperdine as well. That's a gauntlet. They're playing just about everyone they can play. And of course, you look at their kickoff region, yeah, they'll be the favorites, but they've got Columbia coming to town, undervalued team, not ranked in the top 25. Oklahoma State knows them well, or well, I guess it's a new Oklahoma State, so they don't know them well, but Oregon, interesting teams. There is no expense spared in this schedule, Maddie, and that's another thing. I think you look at the upside. The doubles can get better, and then this team's going to see everyone. You know, Baylor, TCU, top eight schools, top five schools, according to the coaches' poll. They're going to play them at least once. Texas will once again be battle-tested. That's an advantage, right? Yeah, it is, but I mean— It could also screw them, though, seeding. Well, what I was going to say was I'm a little bit concerned that they're never going to get a break at all. Like every match is like, okay, guys, we need to be at our best or else we're going to lose. We're only playing top teams. UCF's the cupcake. Like it's a joke. UCF is the cupcake. And it's like they're not a cupcake. (laughs) They're not a cupcake at all. Like that's a really, really good team. That's all I'm worried about. They're going to get the ranking points because when you win a couple of these big matches, Mm -hmm. you're going to be at the very top of the rankings all year long. I just hope that they have enough juice when they get to the postseason. I mean, look at that prior to indoor schedule with Florida and you're going to Arizona and Arizona State and then you got kickoff weekend with Columbia and, you know, then you go to indoors potentially and you're playing Baylor. I mean, there are so many teams they have to find a way to like conserve a little bit of their play and everything 
as we get through March and April, we know the Big 12 schedule's tough. All five of those matches are going to be difficult. Then you've got the Big 12 tournament. NCAA's like, oh my goodness. It's a loaded schedule. So we'll see how it goes, but it's going to be fun to watch. Chris? Yeah, I mean, from a ranking perspective, that's we could legitimately be looking at a team depending on who the, who it is that they, you know, they beat and lose to, but they could be a top five team with seven losses. I mean, very, very easily because they're going to, you know, if you, you win maybe one of the Baylor matches, cause you get two or three cracks at them. If you knock off the Florida or the Ohio state or, you know, what, whatever, you're going to have plenty of chances, but then the other ones that you're losing to the Florida's and the Ohio states and the TCU's and the Georgia's, they don't, they don't even hurt. I mean, it's a tenth of a point to lose to a top five team, you know, two tenths if they're top ten or something like that. So, so yeah, it's 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 the best way to schedule when you have a team that you know just needs to get battle tested. Uh, is let them play the best teams. You know, it's the it's the Ty Tucker way. It's the Brian Bolin way. It's you know, just schedule all the good teams. Uh, let the guys get the experience against the top teams. The rankings are going to work out however they do. You're going to be good if you win a couple of those. Uh, and and more than anything, they just get that experience. And then and Bur- Bruce Burke's going to find out, you know, where these guys stand. I don't think there's any doubt, you know, with with his top guys where they stand. But he's got to see where the new guy is, where Ciamara comes in, how he's looking. Uh, you know, is Woldeep healthy and how's he played? We're going to find that out really really quick with this team. Give me the match calculus, Chris. What do you feel best about? Um, How impossible is match calculus right now, by the way, especially with these teams? I I really, really like Spaziri at one. I really, really like whoever the hell they play at four and five. Okay. I, I mean, I think be, because I think early on what they're going to have is, is, you know, I think they'll play Waldeep at three. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not going to be sold on that, but if you're playing Bailey at four and Ciamara at five or Ciamara at four and Bailey at five. I really, really like that. And I, and when I say I like Spaziri at one, I love, I like Braswell at two as well. So, but I think when you're playing some of those top teams, you're not counting on both of those. So I say, I, I think they get a split there, but I think against a lot of teams, they can easily sweep four or five, but again, that's three points. So now it comes down to, we've either got to get, Waldeeb at three, we've got to get Cleve at six, or we have to win doubles. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I think they should be super, super strong at four or five. That's got to be the strength for this team. Yeah, the depth, Maddie. The depth is incredible. I'm telling you, though, Cleve at six, guys, is going to be yeah. a nuisance. Cleve at six is going to irritate a lot yeah. of really good teams. He's just going to be an irritant. And, yeah, he, and should he's win. Gonna... he should win everything except for when they get up against, you know, the, right. the other teams we're talking about, like Florida and Baylor and Virginia and Ohio State. And, right. But he should be winning everything else. Like last year, he's going to put up some ridiculous, you know, yep. 17 and four kind of record. Exactly. And even against those top teams, he's going to be that nuisance. He may not win all those matches, but he is going to be in there grinded. He's going to throw some guys off and battle really hard. So, I mean, it's tough to find any weaknesses in the lineup. I think, you know, at the beginning, maybe that number three position you look at as a bit of a, a weak spot. Um, 
depending on who plays there, if it's wall deep, you know, I don't know. But other than that, man, I mean, this team, they're strong. And Elliot, I I don't know if I'm as confident with Spaziri up there as Chris is against a lot of these. I mean, he can compete with anybody. But when we're talking about these top 10 contenders and we're talking about guys like, you know, Liam Draxel and, and Cannon Kingsley and, you know, whoever's playing one for Florida and Adrian Boyton and just the, like, Spaziri's going to find himself in some tough situations. But everybody, when you play number one and you're that good, like, you're going to be in those in those positions. But he's going to win his fair share of matches. I just... I don't know. Like Chris said, I mean, with him and Braswell at one and two, I think you're really just kind of hoping for a split against the top teams. It's all fair. And again, you look at this team conference-wise. We talked about what they're doing nationally. They're going to be tested, but they're going to get Baylor a bunch. They're going to get, you know, to play TCU a couple of times likely as well. Let's get to our predictions, gentlemen. Matty, I'll start with you. How's this team doing the conference? How do they end up nationally? Well, we talked about this when we talked about TCU, right, a few weeks back. And and to me, there's three teams in the Big 12 that have a legitimate chance to win the conference. And that would be this Texas team, along with Baylor and TCU. They have the talent to do it. We talked about TCU's depth or lack thereof That's with a the smaller difference. roster. To me, that puts them a step below. I have Baylor and Texas up here neck and neck at the top of the conference, I really think, and I've said this multiple times, I think it might come down to that match in Austin where Baylor goes to Austin. It's like on April 1st or something like that, that first conference matchup. That one right there could be the decider. I think it very well could come down to that, and either team could win it. It comes down to whoever is going to be playing best on that day. I am leaning Baylor, though. I, I do. My pick is going to be Baylor. But, man, Texas is right there. I mean, they could easily do it. Yeah, the Longhorns get the uh, get Baylor at home. They get them on the road as well. So wouldn't shock me if the Longhorns get a win over Baylor. They got one last season. No reason they can't this year as well. Chris, same. Well, did you get? I guess we'll start Big 12 first, and then we'll get back to your national natty. Where do you think this team goes in the conference? Again, six teams, all very talented. Yeah, I th- <clears throat> in my mind right now, they're – they're clear at number two. I, I mean, I, I like Baylor for sure in the conference. Uh, and for the reasons that you both just talked about with, with TCU, uh, you know, just questions depth wise and everything else. Um, I, I kind of put Texas, uh, Texas up ahead of them. So I think from a, from a conference perspective, I, I like them in that two spot. And those three teams are clearly uh, the class of, of the big 12. They're going to be the top three uh in in whatever order they are and and i like texas to finish in the middle spot there yeah all right well with that in mind let's go nationally maddie i'll start with you yeah so you guys will remember last week or whenever we recorded uh the ohio state pod i had them in the final four right which means i had to knock somebody out that was in our top four um and have them finishing in the quarterfinals and guys this is going to be texas now let me be clear no disrespect to texas at all this is not a slight you know or anything on texas they are a final four caliber team let's just be honest they could ease it they made it last year they made the final four last year they're a better team this year i think they can easily get back to that position 
but I'm going to have them finishing in the quarterfinals instead. There's just a few other teams. I already put Ohio State in there, and I, I think there's three other teams. By default, you guys can figure out who, who I've got in there um, that I'm going to put in that final four. But this team is capable of going all the way. If they, they really are. If they stay healthy, if Bailey comes in as that freshman, like you said, Gruskin, best-case scenario – if this guy's like a Johannes Monday or a Gustav Strom or somebody that can come in and play two and be that good, this team can go all the way. There's not a team in the country that they can't beat. Um, I don't know. I just, at this point, there's four other teams that at this moment, I'm just a little bit more, I don't know if it goes back to the doubles like we were talking about or whatever. Or Ohio State there, just but, having the better fall straight yeah. up. That I think those factors may play into it a little bit. I just want to be clear that I am very excited to watch this Texas team. I think they're as good as really any team in the country. Their Final Four caliber, their national championship caliber. Um, but there is so much parity that I think there's just a few other teams that may may jump jump in ahead of them there. Chris, man, I really want to just I want to I want to diverge from Maddie here, but I'm I it's just for me. I did the same thing. I said Ohio State's in. So someone in the top four is out. And and I'll be yeah. honest, but it's one of two teams to me. It's either Texas or it's Tennessee. I'm knocking one of them out of the final four. Yep. And the problem I have is the Tennessee doubles is head and shoulders better than the Texas doubles. At the same time, I like the Texas singles lineup better. But... Am I so sold on that that I think the Tennessee doubles is like all, they're virtually locks all the time? I just I can't get away from keeping Tennessee in there. I'm I'm with Maddie. I've got to I've got to knock Texas out. And for me, it really is just the strength of the doubles. Their singles lineup, I think, is going to be phenomenal. But of the other teams that I that I think are going to be there, I gotta keep Tennessee. I put Ohio State in. I gotta keep Tennessee in on the strength of their doubles. So Texas will fall out, but it's it. But with that, I wouldn't be surprised. It's would I be shocked if they won the national championship like they did with Sigs Garnito? Not at all. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. They could, and they could, they do, could it. do it. They could do it the way Wake was running through that year before they got beat by saying, ah, "We don't even give a crap if we win doubles or not. We're just going to win four singles matches." I mean, their their singles lineup could be that good. Uh, we just don't know yet. So until I see that, I'll. I'm, you know, I'm going to stick with the, the other teams I have in there. Fair. Uh, again, all I would add is as much as we know, and this is a team that has all six returners coming back to school this season, it still doesn't feel like we know that much about them. Like, it's, yeah, last year was such a whirlwind, and it was so many different people, so many different weeks. We think we know about Spaziri. But again, a full season at one is still a full season at one. I don't care who you are. When you're playing Famba, when you're playing Adrian Boitans and, you know, who's ever playing one for Florida, who's ever playing one for Ohio State, it's just tough sledding for Spaziri. And again, how healthy is Waldy? Can Braswell, who will have expectations on him he didn't have last year, replicate what he did last season? If everything is repeated, again, this team got better because they add Ciamara, because they add Bailey. And as you mentioned, if you're throwing in a Gustav Strom or a Monday from last year into this lineup or a Micah Braswell, let's say, a second one, now this team is serious, serious trouble. That's why they're number four in our rankings. To me, the problem is if they lose two of those matches, three of those matches, God forbid, four of those non-conference matches— 
Now you're outside a top four seed. Now you're a five. Now you're a six. And I just think given the depth, the SEC is more likely to have two top four seeds than the Big 12 would be. As such, one of Baylor or Texas probably doesn't end up as a top four seed. I like Baylor's top three a little bit better. I like their doubles point a little bit better. That's the difference between those two teams. That's how thin the margins are. And that's how thin the margins are between semifinals and quarterfinals. Now, again, You've made it very clear. If they only lose two of those matches, if they are able to pull off the success they had last season, then this team will be a top four seed. And then they absolutely can win the national championship. But you have to see it to believe it for all of these teams. And again, I just think I'm a little bit more confident in two parts of the Baylor equation than I am for Texas. I agree their depth better than TCU by virtue of that. There are split the difference, big 12 team, but number four overall, I'll say quarterfinals. I do think they probably do beat Baylor once, but I don't think they end up winning the Big 12 Conference. I mean, this team still, though, they're going to be really, really good. They're going to be really fun to enjoy. And again, they're still sort of one year away. Like, yeah, they'll lose Ciamara, they'll lose Chi-Chi, but they'll still have pretty much the entire field. And if we learn anything about Bruce Burke, uh, it's how well he's done recruiting over his first couple of years at Texas yeah, this team's going to be really good. Again, as much as we know, I still think there are unknowns about this team, and I look forward to seeing more of them uh, here in 2022. Final thoughts, I'll start with you, Maddie. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we've hit on everything. It's it's going to be a bloodbath, though, guys. I mean, again, looking at Texas's schedule, this is going to be so much fun. I mean, we're going to have some really good matches, like, right here within a couple of weeks coming up so i'm just ready to kick this thing off chris yeah nothing 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 further just ready ready to get going and and like you said hell they're playing this weekend we're gonna see them get going now a thousand percent i'm so done with storylines that aren't related to the tennis i just want to watch the tennis so yeah let's get that college rocking and rolling and it is inching closer and closer. And again, we're going to have some fun announcements for all of you about our plans for the college tennis season, just waiting for the green light to make them public. Of course, if you've missed any of our preseason coverage, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. College Contender Series. We've now counted down our number four through number 10 teams. Top three still to come. They'll all be out before the end of next week. I'm going to ask a lot of you guys. I apologize. But again, that is our commitment to all of you to get that rock and rolling before the matches are being played of course. We're also trying to interview every Power 5 men's and women's head coach before the start of the season. If you've missed any, over 50 of them can be found on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. Again, all of that content available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am now at A.L. Gruskin. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out. With all that said, for my fantastic co-host, Matt the Cracks Koyak, Chris Halliors, our special guest, John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. hey. Great, great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thank you, as always, gentlemen. <laughs>